Hello, and welcome to Festival of the Mind. In this episode, Dr Stephen Allen, lecturer in organisation studies at the Management School, talks to the creative partners of their collaboration, Can We Fly Less?, exploring people's attitudes to air travel and the possibilities of flying less. So welcome to this podcast related to uh, Can We Fly Less? My name is um, Dr Stephen Allen. I'm with um, Kissy Turner and Gina Allen, who've been working with myself, Matt Watson, Judith Krauss and, and Rene Timmers on, on this project for the Festival of Mind 2022. So Gina and Kitty have been working as our creative partners. What we want to do in the, this podcast is hear about their process to create what you can see in the gallery, what you've maybe seen online around the festival website. So the project is, as I've introduced, is Can We Fly Less? The brief that we gave to um, Gina and Kitty basically involved four perspectives, four different sets of attitudes to flying less. Um, and that was where we started. So the first of those was called the disparate perspective. So where flying is understood as being economically and socially successful, humans understood to be above nature, resources are free, plentiful, and to be exploited, not saved for future generations. So that was the first perspective. The second one was intertwined, where flying is understood as a human right. There's sort of interconnections that are understood between humans and nature, but humans don't need to consume less flying or other forms of consumption because technology is going to minimise the resource uses. So that was the second perspective. The third perspective is interdependent perspective, um, where it's understood that flying is to be avoided, but it's often hard not to fly. Um, there's a recognition that there's interdependencies between humans and nature, and that human life is dependent on healthy and diverse ecologies. And the final perspective um, that was part of the, the creative brief was called embedded. So where flying is understood as a form of human violence towards nature due to the resources and pollution it requires, and harmony with nature um, is needed in which humans are sort of physically and socially embedded, um, and that's the central concern in that perspective, this idea of harmony and reducing the impact. So what I'd like to do is to talk to Kitty and Gina about those four perspectives. Firstly, thinking about how they understood and started to respond to that brief. So Kitty, where did you start? We provided these four perspectives that I've outlined. How did you begin to respond to the project brief that we gave you? I think the first sort of turning point for me, I don't know whether Gina would, would agree, was having a meeting with with you and the rest of the project team and Gina and I and we started to you'd given us this this kind of grid with the four perspectives in it and lots of kind of key indicators or um, snippets of words or phrases underneath each of those and then once we had a meeting we started talking about what I was thinking about audio perspectives and I started thinking about sort of overlapping conversations that sort of move through the four perspectives. And then I suggested that you, as the academic project team, the four of you, respond to those to those four perspectives and record yourselves responding to each one um, with thoughts and feelings. And, and we went from there. Yeah, I think once we had those... 
pieces of audio and we started to listen to them. Individually, as creatives, we sat down, made some notes about things that sort of popped out for us. And then we met and, uh, and had a chat together about, about those things that had, had really stood out for us. And I think we started to notice things that were going to come up for both of us in different media. So I was mm. doing the visuals, you were doing the audio. But there were things that kept coming up. Um, we talked about textures and rhythms and tones and shapes and colours and things like that, that actually those things, although have slightly different meanings in the different media, those words can be used in both um, both art forms. So I think there was we started to find ways of, I suppose, using the same language in different media. We're kind of finding our own rhythm, yeah. I guess, in a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. And I, I found quite a clear kind of left-right progression in a linear sense, because when I work with audio, I work, I work in a linear sense. I work from left to right in time. So I was thinking about the soundscape in time and thinking about how it would move and change and progress in time. Which was one of the interesting differences actually between the two media because you say you were working sort of almost from left to right and when we talked about it it was one of the things that I wanted to try and avoid in the visuals because there's a certain association with a Western approach to looking at things if you're reading from left to right. And we wanted to consider the subject as a global issue without restricting it to a sort of a Western perspective. So you, I think, started to bring in other influences, sort of global influences into the soundscape. And I wanted to try and avoid that left to right. So we tried different different ways of organising the four perspectives and eventually settled almost on a sort of clock face where we're moving around from disparate through intertwined, interdependent and back to embedded, say, between nine o'clock and twelve o'clock. You mentioned the word Western and that that was something that I really picked up on, that we were sort of almost going from the disparate perspective is is a truly Western and kind of capitalist, dare I say it, perspective. And then we move we move through the different perspectives to get to something that is that is global and that and that could and should transcend capitalism and consumerism, I guess. I thought about something I'd read about the that the earth hums in a particular note, a particular frequency, which is a note, and that note is actually C sharp. So I based a recurring motif, a recurring arpeggiated mot musical motif in C sharp. And then I used different scales to kind of go from a very Western feeling, um, opening up through the scales out to um, the major pentatonic, which is sometimes also called the Chinese scale. So the, the scales kind of move almost across the globe. And I also sort of gradually slowed everything down as well which kind of made sense to me in that in that sense of moving away from this disparate western mechanical sort of quite fast approach across to like a 
a more measured, thought about, slower, considered approach. So actually the piece goes from being 120 BPM at the start to being 60 BPM at the end, hopefully mimicking that or showing that journey between the different perspectives. So Gina, can you say something about the key choices that you made when creating the, the visual aspects of the exhibition? For me, one of the, the big choices I had to make was the difference between figuration and abstraction and how far to go with each one of those. Um, and I felt like you know, having a very, um, very clear figures and a sort of narrative behind the images could be quite didactic. It could be quite um, directive in terms of how I wanted the viewer to respond to each of those perspectives. And I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to give the viewer opportunity to respond, you know, hopefully have some emotional response to the images whilst hearing the soundscape starts you to think about using an abstracted image and then there was a danger of losing the the definition around which perspective each image was talking about whilst chatting with kitty sort of settled on a, a halfway house almost so there are figures there are human figures in the images because obviously flying is a mechanized flying is a very human behavior but trying to put them into a an abstracted landscape so they the images are actually interconnected just like we kept finding that the the perspectives are interconnected so although they there's four pieces that stand alone they actually fit together as each is a square and they actually fit together into one large square as part of each of those squares there is a, a circular element that almost fits together like I said as a sort of clock face but the space taken up by that circular body is larger as we progress through the perspectives towards the embedded. Yeah, so four images um, in acrylic paint. And I listened to Kitty's um, yeah, initial you, soundscape. Yeah, you had like some first iterations, didn't you? I think maybe when I'd settled on the repeating arpeggio motif and I'd recorded it in the different scale uh, scales and then I gave it to you as a kind of starting point and you had that for a bit and I think you said you were working almost with it or... yeah yeah exactly so I, I just I kept playing it and I rather liked that idea I was like mm, that's lovely it was really nice and I really got to know the piece as well and the rhythms particularly um Rhythms and textures kept coming out from it. So that helped me to decide colours and a sort of length of brush stroke and things like that. It was really useful, but a little bit tricky because obviously the soundscape is a lot quicker than I can paint, you know, four 70 by 70 centimetre canvases. So I would, you know, particularly on the first one, play the first section 
and then go back to the beginning and play it again while I was working on that piece and then, you know, move through the soundscape as I was working on different the different pieces. Um, but it was really helpful to to have that and to just almost hopefully subconsciously let it inform my choices um, you know, as to how I was working and the, the choices that I was making. Kitty, one of the choices that you made um, was asking us, the four of us who work on the projects as academics, to record our thoughts about each of the four perspectives. Um, and then you worked with that material very creatively, didn't you? What 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 did you do? What did you do there? Um, well, after I'd listened to them all, and I'd made my own notes, which was what. Gina and I then sort of worked with. We both listened to them, both responded to those. But then I sort of thought, well, we've got that and we've got that as a, as a potential kind of piece of content or, or texture or, or um, asset to use. So I cut them all up. I made an editorial choice by the way that I cut them up and the words that were said in each of those sentences. But I, I cut them into really short sound bites. So there was, so there was you and Matt, and Judith, and Renee. So I had four banks of sounds, or four voices, if you like, and I cut them all up. And then I started layering them in relation to where they were in the soundscape, in the set of perspectives. And one thing that Gina and I kept coming back to was that the two perspectives in the middle, intertwined and interdependent, were the messy ones. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that were really a bit intangible, a bit difficult to kind of describe and talk about and think about. And really, if you think about it, that's where, you know, they're not the polar opposite. They're not the, I'm never going to stop flying. And they're not the, I'm never going to fly again. They're somewhere in the middle and, and therein lies the rub, isn't it? That's the bit that's hard and it's difficult for all of us to think about and talk about. So for me, that was the bit where the layering of all those voices almost got really cacophonous because it it was mirroring the idea that it's really hard to talk about and think about and concentrate on because there are so many other things. There are so many things to think about that are influencing you. You know, that's where that middle bit is where all the things like, for instance, things about, but I need to see my family and they live in, you know, in a different country or I've got to go to work for such and such, and I, this is my job. But also, all four of you talked about your thoughts about each of these actually quite differently. You weren't a uniform kind of, this is what I think about the first one, this is what I think about the second one. You all had quite different ideas, and actually some of them were, um, what's the word? They were butting up against the, each other. You weren't agreeing, you were... Sort of you were contradicting. Yes, or they were. They right. were. They were conflicting. They were mm. contradictory to each other, mm. as as any you know, as any kind of worthwhile inquiry into something should be, shouldn't it? It shouldn't mm. just all be, yes, yes, yes. I agree mm. with you. It should be conflicting, mm. and I picked that out very much from from those recordings as well. So there are often bits that where you're conflicting each other or where you're contradicting it. 
each other on your perspectives and roles. That's fascinating. I mean, I think when we were working with you and we had set out the four separate ones, one of the key things that we had noticed or that we really appreciated was the way that you saw the interconnections between those kind of characterized different views um, and then how you kind of creatively worked on that and the key choices that you made. So it's fascinating to hear you talk about that. So what are your hopes for people's engagement with um, the exhibition? during the festival of mind what what would you see gina as, as something you'd hope people would find in the work that you and kitty have, have done i suppose one of the the main things that came out for me was that it's not a simple issue and that, you know it, to respond to the question it's can we fly less yes we could but then actually enacting that becomes a lot more complicated you know, interestingly, through this period, I was a bridesmaid at a wedding that was in Portugal. And, you know, particularly informed by this project and the discussions that we'd had, I tried very hard to get there by train. But it was, it was a longer journey. I had work commitments around it. In the end, it wasn't feasible to get to that wedding by train. So I had to fly. And I, you know, I made that choice to go rather than not. So I think it, it demonstrated, particularly you know, as we talked about the overlapping between the perspectives and how it's very difficult to sort of position yourself in one place in, into one of those perspectives. I think I'd like people to be able to spend some time with the exhibition and maybe think about their own their own perspective on flying and whether they could fly less but not in a sort of didactic kind of way not in a way that the the art with the exhibition is saying you should be doing one thing you should be doing another but just to open thoughts you know could we start to look at alternatives you know, i think the obvious the answer to should we start to look to alternatives is obvious um but you know, it's starting to take that thought a little bit further. You know, how can we fly less? You know, what changes can we make? I think you're, I really agree. I think you're right. If all we can hope for is, is provoking thought and conversation. And that's what, you know, that's what art should do, isn't it? Just purely my perspective on having worked on this, it has really made me think about about lots of things about my consumption actually of lots of things not just of not just of flying as it happens okay thanks very much Kitty and Gina for your reflections and 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 sort of giving us more background on the work that you've done and obviously been fantastic to work with you and and as you say we hope people you know, enjoy the exhibition and it's sort of stimulating for conversations and their discussions 
um, around flying less. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We'd love to hear your thoughts and responses on social media. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.